I've had many tears of sorrow. I've had questions for tomorrow. There's been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation. He only gave me trials to make me strong. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon His In a lot of places, I've seen a lot of faces, yet there's been times I felt so all alone. But in my lonely hours, those precious lonely hours Jesus let me rest upon his arms and through it all through it all I've learned to trust in Jesus God for the mountains. I thank Him for the valleys. I thank Him for the storms He's brought me through. For if I never had a problem, I'd never know my God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. And through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through 
I've learned to depend upon His Word. Oh, I've learned to depend upon His Word. Thank you so much. John chapter 14. I've been feeling bad about inviting all of you to Hector's house. I shouldn't have done that. Some of you might even say, well, he's not even here to defend himself or to know about it. So scratch that idea. We'll go over to Steve Everett's. He's here and he won't mind. <laughs> Got a nice pool, big yard. Well, have a great time tomorrow. What time, Steve? Three? Three a.m. Okay. I'll be there. Just, I'll do it just to be there. I'll just do it. All right. John chapter 14 this morning. Um, a lot of people have been going through a lot of different things. I got a message tonight. Uh, feel the letter of the Lord uh, to bring. I hope you come back. Six o'clock, I want to preach on encouragement tonight. And I think it will be an encouragement if you take the time to come. That The Lord put that on my heart this week. Now, we started this uh, campaign today, and uh, uh, leadership uh, wanted to call it Up, Up, and Away Sunday and send those balloons off, and then all month uh, that gospel witness will go out, and then we'll start hearing from people uh, at the end of the campaign. So I thought, what, what can I preach? So I'm going to preach on Up, Up, and Away. Okay, that's my message today. And it's a message on the coming again of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's been a while since I preached on that theme. And uh, wouldn't it be great if he came? You know, preachers used to say those things years ago as a young man, and I'd think, no, I want to I I have children. I was already married. I want to raise a family. I, now I've been saved long enough, and I am uh, raised my family, and uh, I, I want them to come. Amen. And uh, we've got trials and trouble and heartache and sorrow, and even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. I understand what John meant. Uh, when he said those words. John chapter 14, one verse to get us started, verse 3. I used this text the other day for Jack's funeral, uh, but we'll look at verse 14, chapter 14, verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God, and uh, thank you for this, um, this promise you gave us uh, that, Lord, you're, you've gone away and you're preparing us a place and you're going to come back for us. And uh, let the children be reminded of that truth today in the back, that, Lord, you're coming back. And let us be reminded today, Lord, that uh, in just a little bit, you'll be back for the church, for us. And I pray that be a comfort today to so many that are uh, hurting, uh, so many going through difficult times. Please, Lord, help us to focus on this verse today and gain strength from it and encouragement from it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, the Lord is coming. Uh, the scripture tells us that there are many of the Bible days that didn't believe it. Uh, well, there were the Sadducees. They did not believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, 
They say they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in a resurrection. And there's many of our day that say, where is the promise of his coming? You know, we've been talking about this for years, just like back then. But folks, Jesus is coming. And the scripture tells us he'll come in a time that you think not. But he is coming. So I want to just take a look at just three verses in the scripture. Three places in the Bible that talk specifically about the coming of our Lord. And and not soon coming, his eminent coming for the church. The word eminent means at any time. And I believe it could happen at any time. I hope you do too. Uh, Titus chapter 2 and verse 13, the Bible says, Looking, get your eyes up, looking for the blessed hope and that glorious appearing of that great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Hope, blessed hope. The word hope in your King James Bible means confident expectation. Uh, the world uses the word hope. Maybe I hope so if you're lucky. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. The Bible word for hope means it's going to happen. It's a confident expectation. It's just when it's going to happen is the question. This word hope, again, has the meaning of a joyful uh, expectation of eternal salvation. Now, we have salvation in Christ. The Bible tells us that we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You didn't know that. Amen. I mean, you knew that. But we're here. That's talking about a future time. But in the mind of God, we're already there. In the mind of God, God is eternal, we're not. And so that's our hope, amen? Now, uh, there's in these three verses that we're going to use in the Bible, first one's here in John chapter 14, next one will be Acts chapter 1, and then we'll be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But each of these three verses that talk about the Lord's coming, we're shown clarity. I mean, it's a clear thing in Scripture that Jesus is coming again. And then it's not only a clarity, but it's certainty. It will happen, even though we may sometimes in our life say, Oh, Lord, when are you going to come? It's going to happen. Certainty. And so I thought it would be good on this, uh, this first Sunday of the campaign, up, up, and away, that we talk about it. Amen? Now, the first thing I want you to notice here in John chapter 14 is the Savior's declaration. He makes a declaration to his children, his saints, and of course they're going through discouraging times. And the Lord being very sensitive to that, remember the Lord when he, when he went, he said, I'm going to send you another comforter. So that means that Jesus was a comforter. His words were comforting to his disciples, but he's getting ready to go away. And he didn't want them to be sad of heart because he's leaving even though they didn't get it. He was wanting to teach them that, hey, I'm soon leaving here, and I don't want you to be discouraged by this. I'm sending you another comforter that he may be with you, amen, after I'm gone. But he said, I am going. But he said this, I'm going, but I'm coming back. And so the Lord's declaration is this, John 14, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Trouble means upheaval. It means unrest. Don't be, un, don't be uneasy about this. Don't be troubled by this. You believe in God, believe also in me. How many believe in God this morning? All right. It's like, wait, how many believe in Jesus? God, Jesus. Amen. Well, back here, he's trying to stress to them, he knew his crowd. He knew those Jews believed in God. He said, believe also in me. I'm your Messiah. I'm your Savior. And he says, verse 2, in my Father's house, our A-R-E, our many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He's not going to lie to us. He's saying, fellas, I'm telling you the truth. I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, that's wonderful. He's preparing a place. Isn't it? Don't you think they got excited? I do. The Lord's preparing a place for us. I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's what was troubling them. He was going to leave them in that place they were in. He said, don't worry, I'm coming back. I'll come and get you. Amen. Now, the scripture teaches much about the Lord's coming for his saints. In the Old Testament, we see pictures of it, illustrations of it. And many of these you already know, but I'll just reference those. First one, we see it in the life of Noah in the Word of God. At Noah's day, there were those that, by faith and personal choice, were obedient to God's command to build that ark. Eight souls were saved, the Bible says. That doesn't mean they were born again saved. It means they were, I know it's a pretty baby, but right here I'm losing you, okay. Eight souls were saved by water. He's not talking about water baptism salvation. You don't get saved by water baptism salvation. You get saved by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You get baptized because you're saved. To declare your faith in Jesus Christ. And by the way, if you've been saved and not spiritually baptized, you should. Publicly baptized. To declare your faith, not to make you saved. But the Bible says that eight souls were saved by water. It's talking about the experience of Noah and his family going through the flood. People didn't believe in a flood back then. It hadn't rained. And so he spent 120 years building that ark and putting that all together, and they thought he was a nutcase, much like you're thought to be one today when you talk about the Lord's coming. You bunch of nuts. You think Jesus is still coming? Amen. That's what they think about you. That's okay. Let them think that way about me. The Lord's coming. And so Noah was, the Bible says, a preacher of righteousness for 120 years. He didn't get up on a, on a, behind a pulpit and preach, preach, preach. He preached with his life. He preached building that ark. He preached by bringing his family up in the Lord. He, 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 he preached with everyday living. And I believe he, he, he preached to the people about their sin and get into the ark and all of that. 120 years. That's a long time. That's a long sermon. Some of you are falling asleep right now. It's 10 after 11. How are you going to endure a 120-year-old sermon? Year sermon. Amen. Watching too many bowl games last night. It's not even bowl season. But anyway, by faith, Noah made a personal choice and he was obedient. And what happened? He passed through the flood. Noah and his family got through there because they believed. But those that refused to believe his preaching for that 120 years, they perished. That represents the unbelieving world we live in today. They don't believe. In God. They don't believe about Jesus coming. They don't believe about the things of God. Hey, Christian, keep preaching. Keep living your life before. Keep talking to them about their soul. Keep witnessing them. Hey, get them to Sunday school next week and church and let them hear the gospel. Hey, by the way, next week is called Grandparents slash Family Day. Next Sunday is regular, you know, Hallmark calendar day of grandparents. How many, how many are grandparents? Very good. How many of you do not have a grandparent? They've gone on to be with the Lord or, or they're not around here? Raise your hand. You do. Now, here's what I want you folks to do. Get you a grandparent. A grandparent type person in your life. Invite them to church. All these kids, get your grandparents to come to church next week. Let's fill this place up. Amen? And some grandparents don't know the Lord. I remember years ago when my kids would pray for their grandma and grandpa to be saved. They were little and they'd pray next to the bed each night. Oh, Grandpa, please, uh, Lord, please save Grandpa. 
You know, when my dad was being dealt with by the Holy Spirit, my mom was having heart surgery. My dad was concerned about her, and I, I went and spent the night with him, and we sat in the living room, and he was real worried about my mom. And I said to my dad, I said, Dad, don't worry about mom. Mom knows the Lord. But you need to worry about yourself. Mom's concerned about you. What if you die without the Lord? He goes, oh, I don't want to talk about it. It's not about me anyway. It's about your mother right now. Boy, he, he was a little testy. And so the next day, I took little Trisha with me. Trisha was probably six, seven years old. We're sitting in the waiting room, and Trisha goes up to my dad and says two things. She said, Grandpa, when are you going to get saved? Well, that kind of opens up a conversation, but it's a little uncomfortable. And the second thing, she says, when are you going to quit smoking? She says, kids are just out there, right? And here's what my dad said. He said, I took care of that last night. I said, what? He said, I prayed that prayer last night on the back of that paper. Now, I, my dad didn't, he, he, he doubted that later on. He truly, he said, I got to make sure this is right in the tent meeting. And he truly got saved. But God was working through those little children. You kids, you teenagers, you got grandparents that don't know the Lord, you got loved ones, you got family members, talk to them. Invite them to Christ. Don't give up on them. They might not get, be happy about it, but tell them, pray for them, invite them. Amen. So next week's Grandparents Day, be here. Invite somebody to be here with you. And if you don't, grandparents, it's Family Sunday. Got a family? How many got a family? How many got family members don't know the Lord? I'm going to ask you a third question, but I'm afraid to. How many are you going to try to get some of them here? Because you might, uh, hey, if you don't get them here, you're missing an opportunity for them to hear the gospel. It's not like you have to get up here. I'll get up here, and I will preach, and I will give the, no, no, Pastor Williams is preaching next Sunday morning. He'll give them the gospel, right, Brother Jeremiah? So let's get our family here next week. Let's get grandparents here next week. The Savior's declaration. He's coming again. You don't want them to be left behind, right? You want them to come to know the Lord. But that outside world, there's perishing. And we don't want our family to perish, do we? Certainly we don't. How about Enoch in the Bible? The Bible says that he was translated. The word translated is the same word, caught up. It means to go from one place to another. And Enoch was translated before the judgment of God. Enoch, the Bible says in Genesis 5.24, walked with God and God took him. That's that word took means to snatch away. There's coming a day where the saints are going to be plucked. There's another word, plucked, snatched away, translated, caught up. We use the word rapture. That's a Latin word. It's not in the Bible. The word rapture is not in the Bible, but the word caught up is. It's a snatching away, a taking up. It happened at any moment. Those that are saved are going. Those that are not are staying for the tribulation. Nobody wants to go through that. Again, a text in the Bible that teaches that Noah and his family, eight souls were saved. It's a picture of the Lord coming for the church. It's a picture of Enoch. He pictures the Lord coming. Then Lot in his day. Lot and his family were removed again before what? The, the judgment of God on Sodom and Gomorrah. It was a wicked day, and God was going to rain fire and brimstone. And the Bible teaches that Lot and his family were around when that took place. And Lot, hey, the Bible says Lot vexed his righteous soul from day to day. He was not a good Christian. 
He was not, let's put it, a good follower of Jehovah. He was not. But he was saved. Vexed his righteous soul from day to day. He lived a terrible life. We read about what he did with his daughters, the incest problem. Hey, uh, Christians aren't perfect. And here's a man that wasn't perfect. There's a doctrine that believes that only the the right with God Christians are going. It's called the partial rapture theory. And then all the rest will go later. Problem is, none of us are good enough to go the first time. But God's just taking us out. Not because we're good, because he's good. He's taking the church out. And uh, he preserved them from the wrath to come. Prior to judgment, God took Lot out. He didn't deserve to go, but God took him out. It's a picture of you and I. The Bible says, like the days of Noah, Luke 17, 26, and like the days of Lot, Luke 17, 28. That's the way the world's going to be when the Lord comes. Hey, that's today. Like the days of Noah. Like the days of Lot. Then Joseph in the Bible, the type of Jesus. I believe there's 40 plus types of Joseph in the Bible being like the Lord. Now he wasn't the Lord, but a picture and a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's interesting that Joseph takes a Gentile bride before seven years of famine. That's a picture that you and I are out of here before the tribulation period comes. Genesis 41 and verse 45. You see, Joseph... He was connected to the, his brethren, the Israelites. And after Joseph and his family were taken out, guess what? The Israelites had seven years of famine. That's what's going to happen to the world. Unbelieving world is going to go through the tribulation period. Hey, I don't want any of my family to go through that. No. Chances are many of them will not be saved. According to the word of God, the only people who get saved during tribulation are those that lose their life for the cause of Christ. But hallelujah, in the tribulation period is going to be the greatest revival that mankind's ever known. More people will be saved. And Israel will believe on Christ as their Messiah. That's pretty good. Amen. So Joseph's a picture of the Lord coming, getting his bride before the wrath comes. Rahab, of the book of Joshua, chapter 2. Rahab trusts the Lord and befriends the Jewish spies. Remember they came in, she hid them up on the roof, and then they got away. And by faith, Rahab put that scarlet thread out the window. They said, we want to reward you for your goodness unto us. She puts that scarlet thread out the window. And then when they came in town, they saw it, and they protected her and her family. All the walls of Jericho came down. I believe there's one little piece of wall. <laughs> there's a window, and there's a thread going out. And, and I, whether it fell down afterward, I don't know. But her and her family were protected because of the scarlet thread, which pictured the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so she and her family were taken out before destruction. She's just an old prostitute, woman of the night. A Gentile woman. Sound familiar? A beautiful picture of the church, undeserving, becoming the bride of Christ in the lineage of Jesus Christ. By faith, she was delivered from the wrath to come. I mean, over and over and over in the Bible, we see that, hey, folks, we're delivered before the wrath come. The Bible tells us in the book of Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 9, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. That word wrath there means fierce indignation. It means vengeance. It means violent emotion. It means fierce indignation against. It means anger of punishment. It means to flare the nostrils. I don't want to be around when God's that mad. 
Some of these so many. <laughs> hey, that's, that's angry. Bible's teaching here that they got out before all that happened. Now, I'm not a good Christian, neither are you. I'm not trying to offend you, none of us are. But God has promised he's taken his church out. And what are we talking about? Up, up, and away. We're talking about the Lord coming one day, very, very imminent. It could happen any time. He's taking us out of here before the wrath to come. It's going to be so terrible. One other, there's so many, but Abigail, 1 Samuel chapter 25. Remember David married Abigail? And she married the king, just short notice. He, it's a foreshadowing, David being a foreshadowing of Christ the king. And uh, he takes her as his bride. She responds, the Bible says she rose in haste, isn't that interesting, with five of her damsels to depart uh, to marry David. And you go to the New Testament, Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. There's those five wise virgins and those five foolish virgins. And the five wise virgins, they had the oil in their lamps and they were ready when the bridegroom came. I don't know. Hey, are you saved? Do you know for sure? Do you know that you know that you know that you've been born again? Have you been saved? Do you know that? Is it settled in your heart? You go to a time and a place in your life that you trusted Christ, you repented of your sins, you received Christ by faith in your heart, you know that you know it. Then you're a picture there of the five wise virgins ready for the bridegroom to come. But if you're not for sure, or you've never been saved, you're a picture of the five foolish virgins that at, when, when they realized he was coming, they tried to get ready. Listen, it's going to happen so quick, you can't, you can't, well, I'll get saved then. No, you won't. The Bible says in the tribulation, you say, well, I'll get saved. No, you won't, because you'll believe a lie, the Bible says. So now's the time to be sure. Now's the time to be saved. If you intend to go up, up, and away with the Lord, you better deal with it today. Now, before it's too late. It's like death. Everybody thinks they'll get ready. You don't know. Tomorrow, maybe death. Today. No one knows. And so by death, are you ready? How about by rapture, are you ready? You don't want to be around for the wrath of God upon the lost world. Certainly won't want that. Many other types, we don't have time, but the four Gospels, the book of Acts, the epistles, the book of Revelation, they clearly teach the Lord is coming for his saints. The Apostle Paul taught this. The great Apostle Paul, the, the, the great... Uh, Soul winner, the great missionary Apostle Paul. He clearly and distinctly wrote, and he's again, he wrote 1 Thessalonians 5 9, God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. No wrath, no violent uh, indignation of God against us. If, but if we only had one verse in the Bible, and that one verse was John 14 3 that we read today, it'd be enough for people to believe and have hope in the coming of Christ. Just the one verse. Jesus promised it. And he will bring it to pass. John 14, 12, 13 again. In my father's house are many mansions. How many believe that? Father's house. We're going there. If it were not so, I would have told you. How many believe that the Lord would have told us if it was different? Some of you need your exercise, so keep working with me, all right? Now, be careful. I might ask a question. You'll raise your hand. It won't be the right answer, so pay attention. That's like people saying amen when you shouldn't say amen. You ever had that in church? Going along, a bunch of amens, and then you say something negative, and they go, amen. Wait, what are you talking about? Amen. 
not even paying attention. <laughs> we had a guy here years ago, old brother Dale. My pastor used to get up and preach on the home about marriage, and he'd talk about the wives submitting to their husbands, and Dale, about where you're at, Dave. <laughs> he'd say, amen, amen, amen. And the preacher said something one day, and he was off amen. He said, you don't even know what you're talking about. Preacher stopped and said, and he said, besides, I'm preaching on the home. You're not even married, Dale. How can you even say amen? And everybody laughed. Amen? So don't say amen when I give you all these. Pay attention, all right? Pay attention. <sighs> he said, if it were not so, I would have told you. Amen. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So you got him all right today. Folks, he's coming. Up, up and away Sunday. I hope it happens today. It could. Are you ready? What if it did? Hmm. There's wrong thinking on this, wrong doctrine. Some think that when the Lord said this, I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also, was a promise of the Holy Spirit coming. No evidence of that here. The Lord said, I'll, I'll send you another comforter, but that's not the text here. He's saying, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So it's not a promise of the Holy Spirit to come. Some thought it was a promise of the fall of Jerusalem, a historical event that was going to take place, and that Jerusalem would be powerful again, under, under like a, a king like David. Well, that, that's not in here. Uh, they, they these um, allegorical teachings, hidden secret things that only preachers know. That's a bunch of baloney. I believe in the literal interpretation of Scripture, he means what he says here. But some thought of this, I've heard people say this, it's not a reference to the time when the Lord will come for us in death either. That's two separate things. The Lord could come and take us today, physical death, and we home to be with him, to be asked from the body, to be present with the Lord. Amen. Thank God for that hope. But this verse is not about the Lord coming to take us for death. It's coming to take us as his bride. It's a plucking away. It's a rapture, if you would. This is clear. He's coming for us. And it'll be at any moment. And notice, this was the promise of Jesus made before he was crucified, before he was buried, before he rose again, before he ascended to the Father's right hand. But think this, the Lord knew what they were hurting and how they were feeling, and he didn't want them to worry. He had announced that he was going to leave them. But he said, I will come back. And he shared those words to be a help and a comfort to them. Second of all, we not only have uh, this announcement being given here, a uh, clear announcement of the, of the Lord's declaration himself, but I want you to see the second verse. Turn to Acts chapter 1, if you would. And that's the angel's confirmation. Anytime the Lord wants to give out an instruction or, or important information in the Bible, you'll see that he used angels many times in the Bible. He would use angels. And so we have the confirmation of angels here in Acts chapter 1. And uh, take a look at verse 9, 10, and 11. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. Only got three points, so stay with me. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld him, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. Wow. 
And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, that word means pay attention, get this, don't miss it, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Watch this. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Up, up, and away. The Lord came back. He rose again. He was around his, uh, his disciples, what, 50 days and then the ascension. And while he's talking to them, he's taken up in a cloud right before them. What would have that been like? Wow. To be there that day when the Lord had told them and made promises to them and they're fellowshipping, and all of a sudden the Lord starts going up in the clouds. They're watching the Lord leave. And when, they, when he was out of sight, there's these two angels. They look at all that group and said, What's standing here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which you have seen, will come in like manner. Have you seen him gone up? In other words, get busy, go to work. Church, that's what we're supposed to be doing right now. He's gone up, but he's coming back. In the meantime, we're supposed to be busy. Occupy till I come. Occupy. Take your place. Do your duty. Obey my commands till I come. And the Lord, again, God had used angels. Angels are messengers of God of great things, of important things to come. Don't you think it's a great and important thing that the Lord's coming back? And so the Lord announced it here by angels. I've never seen an angel. Maybe some people have. I've been around two times angels unawares, I believe. One time I believe, the other time I'm not sure. I know I know the second time wasn't. I'll tell you why. Angels on the word, where you get stuck in the snowbank, there's nobody around, and you think you're going to freeze to death. All of a sudden, there's somebody there, and they're helping you get out. The next thing, you roll down the window to say thank you, and they're gone. I had this one guy came by my house one day. My wife will remember. His name was John. He was from New York. He was a Jewish man. He was a violinist. And he was supposed to be one of the top ones by getting to know him, talking to his home church. This guy was so strange. You ever been around somebody so strange and they seem so spiritual? They know a lot of verses. He came by my house one day. I was pastoring in Indiana and he wanted some help. And so, you know, the Bible says you may be entertaining what? Angels. Strangers, unawares, angels, unawares. And just being around this guy for a few days, I thought he was kind of odd. And I thought, man, is this guy an angel? Remember that guy, huh? He came over to our house and he's just around. He was just there and then he was around for a few days. I met him. I came into church. He was in the church. I thought, how'd this guy get in the church? He was in the church. He was praying. But I thought, how do you get in the church? And it was just strange to have him around. You know why I know he wasn't an angel? Because a couple days later he was smoking a cigarette while he talked to me. But anyway. I don't think angels do that. But anyway, for a while there, for a while there I thought, wow, this guy's a little different. Who is this guy? You know, but anyway. 
God sends angels with important announcements. And they give important information. Just give you these and we'll move on. God used angels to announce the birth of our Savior. Wasn't that important? And were they right? Yes. Luke chapter 2. Angels were to announce the resurrection of Christ. They were spot on. Luke chapter 24. The angels outside of the tomb. Remember? He's not here. He is risen. Important announcement, right? The birth of Christ. The resurrection of Christ. Then, the physical, literal ascension of Christ in our verses here, the same Jesus that you have seen gone, will come back in like manner. Isn't it interesting? Aren't those important? Sure they are. And angels were there making that announcement. He's coming back. On Up, Up, and Away Sunday, let's be reminded the Lord is coming back. And notice what the angel said. This same Jesus, not another. The same Jesus. Hey, one of these days. Our Lord and Savior's coming for us. I mean, the real deal, the Lord Himself. And we will meet with Him. Amen? And He's coming back the same way He went up in the clouds. When I first got saved and I was learning this kind of doctrine, I worked at Ford Motor Company and I drove down, I drove east into Detroit so I would work at Ford Motor Company over there at Jeffries and Telegraph. I worked at the parts depot. Uh, for about three and a half years before I went to Bible college. It's interesting. I just did Jack Ridley's funeral. His son Jim used to work with me. And they remembered me back then when I used to go around witnessing to people. But you know what? They remembered a skinny, tall, dark-haired guy. But there was a day, folks. There was a day. But they knew me. And he told me another guy was at the... Uh, he was trying to get me there at the same time so I could meet another guy I used to work with at Ford's and witness to. But you know, um, why was I telling you that? See, I'm not the skinny, dark-haired guy that used to remember things either. But Oh, I know why. I go to work, and I drive my car, and I'd see the sun. And it, blind, you're going east. I'd put sunglasses on before I made my turn to go to Ford's. And when I was early Christian, I just heard about the Lord's coming. And just about every morning, I would drive and say, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the day. I see some big, beautiful clouds, and I think, oh, man, maybe the Lord's coming. And I was excited about it. I was looking forward to it. Yeah. But now, as you've been saved all these years, you know, you just kind of, like today, it's a reminder. We kind of forget. When's the last time you thought about the Lord coming? Maybe, maybe a little while ago, maybe not recently. Hey, church, he's coming again. We sing the song, coming again, coming again. Right? He's coming. Are you ready? Are you saved? Are you sure of it? If you're saved, are you serving the Lord? Are you in right relationship with the Lord? Don't you want to have the Lord come when you're in right relationship with him? Sure. He will come again, the same Jesus, in like manner as he went up. And so we're told this. We're told this in prophecy, the catching away, all those people, Noah and Rahab. And, and then our Savior himself. He tells us of the translation of us into heaven. And then these heavenly messengers tell us that Jesus is coming again. And then lastly, the apostles' explanation of this time. First Thessalonians chapter 4, we'll close with this. And this is where I, as a pastor, I use it every time I do a funeral. I just did a graveside the other day for Brother Jack, and I read from the scripture. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 
And Paul writes, under the inspiration of God, the Holy Spirit, I would not have you to be ignorant brethren. Don't, don't be lacking knowledge here, he's saying. Concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not of others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, amen, even so them which also would sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now this is not soul sleep. That's just the death of a body. The soul goes to be with the Lord. This is talking about the spirit. This we say unto you by the word of the Lord, we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain under the uh, remain shall be caught up together with them into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and and so shall we ever be with the Lord the apostles explanation you know the Thessalonian church here they were coming out of false teaching and false worship they were Canaanites and I don't have time to preach this morning I want to wrap up but the Canaanite religion was a heathen religion very wicked if you want to go in and look up the research of that, the Canaanite religion. And these people are getting saved and they're coming out. Much like today when people get saved and they're coming out of a false church or false religion. And so Paul was trying to instruct them on spiritual things. So he's talking to them here about the coming of the Lord. And, you know, now they're saved, they want sound doctrine. Now they, they're saved, they want to understand this clearly. And here's what he taught in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 14. When believers die, their bodies are said to sleep, but it's their spirit going to be with the Lord. When someone passes away in Christ, they are with the Lord. The former things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When Jesus comes again, then for the Christian who have died, he will come with him. So those that have gone on to be with the Lord, when Christ comes for the church, Hey, guess what? He's coming, and the saints will come. Their spirits will return with the Lord. These believers who have died and come uh, with the Lord will be the first to receive their new bodies. Boy, a glorified body. Remember how the Lord, after his resurrection, all they were afraid, they were in the upper room, and all of a sudden the Lord was there? He just kind of walked in the room. My wife's grandfather... Clarence Holland, I remember him talking about that when I was a young Christian, about he was excited someday that he'll be able to walk through walls, go through doors, because that'll be the glorified body. Just there. That's being translated. Going, coming. And so those that believers who have died in the Lord, when the Lord comes back, they'll have their new bodies. I remember Sister Elaine over here sang in the choir years ago, and Brother Mike would lead that old song, and she'd, I'd listen to Elaine, and her voice would be above other voices I could hear. I'll have a new body, praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Remember that, Elaine? Thank God we're going to get a new body. Amen. I'll go back to my young, skinny one with dark hair. No glasses, though. I'll have a new body. Hey, so will you. This, old, this body's getting older. We just met this dear lady, Mrs. Patterson. My wife brought her up for me to meet her and introduce her. And I'm coming down the stairs sideways. And she said, oh, you walk down your, those stairs like I do. I said, yeah, my knees bother me. I got to 
go down sideways sometimes. Hey, Mark, by the way, I need a rail up here, here and here, because I'm getting older. And I already fell down one time. Remember, Jen, you helped me? You all were shaking hands during the welcome time, and I went right down there hard. The only person, a couple people. Jen came to my aid. Pastor, are you all right? I got up quick. I felt so stupid. So I just want to say, Mark, I need it here, just a reminder. Because I'm getting older, and my knees don't work as good as they used to. My weight, too, probably helps. But, but I go sideways. One of these days, I can go frontwards again. I can go up and down. That's what I want. I'll have a glorified body. Amen. I'm trying to keep some of you awake. You, you, die, you died a long time ago in the, in the church. But then, all the living Christians, and hope, this is the hope, us, I want to go by the rapture, don't you? So when the Lord comes with the saints, for us, the church, there's going to be a uniting of us, and we go up. Amen. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. My last thought, the saints' consolation. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That's that same word. Comforter. Consolation. That, listen, one of these days, those that have passed in Christ, those that are alive, will go in like manner to be with the Lord. Therefore, shall we ever be with the Lord. That's the hope of the saint. Amen. Looking forward to that day. Could be today. Now, this is up, up, and away Sunday. It's a reminder that we're going, if you're saved. But as we close this service, again, do you know you're going? Has there been a time and place in your life that you truly repented of your sins and you received Jesus Christ by faith in your heart and life? Do you know that? And if you haven't, you can know it today. We're going to give an invitation, Brother Paul, if you'd come. And we're going to sing. And maybe there's someone out there, so I don't know for sure. I'd like to know. Maybe there's someone say, you know what, I've never done that. I've never been born again. Come and we'll take the Bible and you could call on the name of the Lord and you could be genuinely saved today. So I think I'll do it one of these days. No, 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 no. Listen, if death should come, it'll come before you can do it. And if the rapture happens, it'll definitely come before you can do anything about it. Be saved. And then you'll be sure one of these days to go up. To go up and be with the Lord. And wherefore, let this be a comfort to you. You know, the Lord's coming ought not be a fearful thing. So I don't, want, I don't like when preachers talk about that because it, it scares me. I, why? It's supposed to be a comfort. It's supposed to be a balm. That's what the word means. It comes from the word that we get our word paragoric, medicine. It's a paragora, it's a comfort, it's soothing. It's a balm. I'm not afraid of the Lord's coming. I want him to come. But I'm afraid sometimes I'm not doing as well as I should, and I don't want to stand before him when I'm not right in my heart or in my thought life. Some Christians that are not doing what they ought to be doing, serving the Lord, he's going to come and you're going to be embarrassed that you should have been doing more. Right? Let's bow our heads if we would.